podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back and Blitz Month continues on. And I think uh, this this is a guy who we don't get him on weekly like John Kurtz does or like, uh, you know, the Kansas City Star does with Sports Beat KC. But anytime he does come on, it is fireworks. He's truly the biggest J journalist who covers the Cats. He is the man writing about K-State for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. He loves craft beer and Whataburger. He was the first ever journalist to come on the podcast. Now, three and a half years later, he is still showing up. He has the most read weekly Q&A blog series in the history of regional sports journalism. I hope no one fact checks me on that because I didn't really do that. But he is the man. He is the myth. He is Kellis K-Dog Robinette. Kellis, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, man. When's uh, when's Grant ever going to hop on one of these Blitz things so, so with me? I- well, probably never. Um, so the, the, the fun part about the Blitz Month stuff is we, we divided up because we we're doing a show every single day. Uh, we started, honestly, the last week in July with all the realignment madness. And we go all the way up until the week of the game. We, were, we decided we're going for like six weeks this <laughs> year. Um, and we divide stuff up. So he is doing a handful of folks. I'm doing a handful of folks. And also, I think it's just kind of, a funny ongoing bit because I think you're the most recurring guest ever who has never been on a show with Grant. So I think that's like almost <laughs> part of the bit at this point. There, well, there was one time I remember uh, we recorded something at Tap House with you, me, John, and Grant was there. I don't know oh. if he actually said anything. No, I think he did. Uh, no, that, but that he was in the room, but it's that, that that's been the one time. Yeah, he must not have liked it very much. Yes. Well, I remember the very first time you came on, this was in the early days of the podcast. He was supposed to come on and then it's just like, okay, I just did not hear from him for like hours at that point. I think that was back when we were on Skype and I was just like, all right, we're just going to go for it um, because, or maybe we're DMing back and forth, but it, it is interesting. I, I think now it's just part of the bit. It's also funny. Uh, Derek is on all the time and he's doing the show with Grant. I, I went back and looked at it. Derek has been on the show like maybe 12 times. He's only been on at the same time as Grant and I once, and that was his first appearance. So it's something about, you know, <laughs> you and Derek. It's like we can't both, you know, be around. We're probably just too starstruck by, by some like real journalists. <laughs> we, we just cosplay as uh, journalists and get credentialed for Big 12 Media Day on occasion. You guys are really breaking the news. Well, right. I'm always glad to be on, regardless of who's on the other end. Well, perfect. All right. Before we do too much of a deep dive into K-State football, I have two questions for you. The first one, far more important than the second. But uh, how happy are you that Whataburger is expanding into Kansas City and Wichita? So now you're about two hours away from your beloved burger chain instead of eight. I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I've been living in Kansas off and on for darn near 20 years now, and 
I've always kind of thought, what would it be like to have a Whataburger north of uh, Oklahoma? And I guess all it took was Patrick Mahomes winning a Super Bowl for the Chiefs to make it happen. Um, I don't know that I love Whataburger enough to like just simply drive two hours to one, eat it and drive home. But uh, I'll definitely be stopping there more often now when I'm in Wichita or Kansas City. Um, I don't really have a go-to spot in Wichita if I'm just driving through real fast. Um, but I guess now maybe I do. So I like it for that reason. We'll have to see where they go in Kansas City. Um, I think it's I, like 15 I'm sure, I'm sure you know locations. about it. Yeah, well, like see, see, for me, though, like when you're driving in from Manhattan, like it's super easy to get to the Legends and where uh, – you know, the sporting Kansas city stadium is, mm-hmm. but if you got to go to like Overland park or all the way into Missouri, it can add 30, 45 minutes. So hopefully they'll add one over there and then it'll be, you know, then maybe, maybe I would be tempted just to go there sometime, but yes, it's uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, with Mahomes being a part owner of sporting, you know, there's the rumors that there's going to be one at Kauffman stadium because he's a part owner of the Royals. I mean, there might have to be a little, uh, Waterburger concession stand inside Children's Mercy Park, and then hey, then you get to go, you know, any match day. All right, I'd be a season ticket holder at that point. I mean, maybe in 2023, you're going to be able to place a bet at a kiosk in Sporting Park if Kansas ever figures out the legislation and eat a Waterburger patty melt all in the same time while watching a soccer game. That would be the dream. Yeah, I mean, who who could uh, not be a season ticket holder with all that going on? No, definitely. And then here's the uh, less important of the two questions, you know, before we get into K-State football in 2021, you've been all over conference realignment information from the K-State side of things since it started popping off with Texas and Oklahoma deciding to bounce. Uh, What is kind of the latest information you're hearing on the future home of K-State athletics and the future of the Big 12 conference? Um, And that being said, we should disclose that we're recording this on August 19th. This is, isn't going to publish until the 23rd or 24th. So that's a lifetime in conference realignment, but kind of what is the status of what you're hearing right now? You know, I, I think we're actually safe uh, for right now. I mean, famous last words, right? And yeah, what did Bullsby uh, say? What did Bullsby say? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, yeah, about was three, three days before the whole thing started, he said there's absolutely no way we'll see expansion again. So, yeah, like I said, famous fast words, um, but but things really have slowed down. I, I think everybody, uh, other than the SEC, would just prefer to pump the brakes a little bit and actually think about what the best next move forward is, um, you know. I, I'm, I Initially, when I saw the news about, uh, the, the three other power conferences, the Big Ten, the the uh, ACC, and the Pac-12 trying to merge. Originally, I thought that was, you know, doomsday for the Big 12. The more I think about it, I, I think that's maybe just more preliminary talks and maybe political clout trying to be built, kind of like what we saw between um, the Big 12 and Pac-12 commissioners a week or two earlier. Obviously, not a great sign that uh, Bob Bullsby isn't involved in those conversations, but at the same time, I don't know that we're going to see anything like a scheduling alliance that shuts out the big 12 or them signing a pact not to expand. I just don't think they're going to go there. Um, so there, there'll be time for those other conferences to decide what they want to do. If somebody like the PAC 12 decides to expand wet, uh, East, then yeah, there would be um, quite a mad frenzy of big 12 schools trying to get their attention, uh, including Kansas state. I think all eight would be very eager to, to try to land there, whether it's a merger or just a few of them. I don't know that any, uh, any other conference would look to expand here, but same deal. 
Um, but for now, all I can really say is that it seems like from everything I've heard, Kansas State's plan A, at least as of right this moment, is to try to ride it out with the other seven remaining Big 12 schools and find a solution that keeps them together, whether it's a merger with another conference, expansion, you name it. I don't know. Maybe it's something we haven't even thought of, but that's their plan A. They want to stick with the league they've got, the league they know. Uh, stick it to Texas and Oklahoma, make them pay as much money as they can on the way out the door. And, you know, I don't think this thing's going to move fast. I think Texas and Oklahoma, you know, maybe they're not here all the way till 2025, but I, I don't think they're leaving next year. I think they'll be around a little bit longer. So there, there's no, there's no race to get it done. Uh, I think we're going to hear a lot of different options out there and, and sure. I think Kansas State is, I think Gene Taylor definitely has gone out, talked to other leagues, made it quite clear, you know, here's what Kansas State could offer if you cho choose to expand. But I'll say again right now, I, I think Kansas State's plan A is definitely trying to salvage uh, the Big 12 into a power conference in some form moving forward. Definitely. Uh, one thing K-State doesn't offer is art being everywhere. So I think we need to work on that. Um, so uh, th that honestly, if nothing else happens from realignment, the KU graphics saying there's art everywhere and basically pretending Lawrence is part of Kansas City, that will forever live <laughs> in my heart and almost make it all worth it. Yeah, well, there, there have been some interesting, um, you know, uh, advertisements, uh, advertisements that aren't really advertisements out there from all the schools. Tech's done it, KU's done it. Oh, yeah. West I'm, I'm not it. hating on it, but just the <laughs> phrase, the fact that some, through all the editorial process, the phrase art everywhere made it to the final <laughs> graphic. That's, that's just, that's just too much. I, I, I mean, it has to take place on, you know, the, the billboards in between Kansas city and Lawrence now art is everywhere. So that needs to be the new rally. Well, I, I, I still think the, I still think claiming Kansas city airport that's not even built yet as its own is the best part of it. Well, especially since the airport's so far North, I live in Shawnee now, and I think I could get to, you know, Manhattan almost in the, the amount of time that it would take me to get up to the Kansas City Airport all the way up north. So that, that is pretty good. We, we will move on uh, to that because you've been part of all the recent press conferences, conferences which I've just loved. Um, players, coaches, we won't touch about how you were not very confident in your answering of who your four favorite Avengers are. Um, but what, what is something, what is maybe like a phrase or what is, what is the team really hanging their hat on this preseason camp? Well, I, if I can defend myself first, I, I will say it's, uh, it, it, it's hard when you're not expecting somebody to ask you something and they just, it, you just totally surprise you with, hey, what's your favorite, what are your two favorite movies, what are your three favorite adventures? Uh, if I had more time to think about it, I probably would have said Captain America, Iron Man and Hulk rather than what I did say, but whatever. Well, um, that instantly made Timmy Horn one of my favorites because as you know, uh, at least when we're not in a structured blitz month type show, I love asking the wacky questions. So Timmy Horn is a guy after my heart. So him doing that just made I, me fall in love. Uh, yeah, no, I liked it. I, I'll just have to prepare myself next time uh, <laughs> to be ready for it. But from K Kansas state's perspective, um, I mean, I'd say the things they're really preaching the most are improved team chemistry, um, improved depth, improved um, physique. The one thing I noticed in practice today was that there are a lot more dudes out there who like, you know, just look like they belong out there, you know, physical specimens, somebody you'd really want to be the first guy off the bus at a road game. 
I don't know that they necessarily had a lot of those guys last year, but like Julius Brents, defensive back, huge, huge towers over other guys. Um, <clears throat> I think I thought even Will Howard, he, he came out in practice with uh, his shirt off after practice and was throwing name and I had to ask who the heck is that guy? And like, Oh, that's Will Howard. It's like, that is like, he's ripped. So, I mean, those guys, and another, another one, your favorite Reggie Stebblefield, he, uh, he came out and talked to us basically with no shirt on and he looked like he was a bodybuilder. So they, they've got some guys that look the part now. And, you know, last year was just, uh, I think they want to throw that out the window, COVID injuries, everything else screwed them up this year. They've got the unity back. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's a little bit more physically fit. I think they're just ready to go. Yeah, we're going to touch on Reggie Stubby, the legend Stubblefield, a little bit later. But one of the biggest storylines, at least amongst fans, ever since the announcement came through about six months ago, was battling different expectations amongst the fan base when it comes to Skylar Thompson and his sixth year. Where are your expectations for him? And when the season's all said and done, where do you think he lands amongst Big 12 quarterbacks? Um, you know, that's a, it's a good question. I would say, I mean, my expectations are reasonably high for him. I don't think he's going to be better than Spencer Rattler. Um, but he could be, you know, I'm, I'm trying to go through the other quarterbacks in my mind here. There's really no reason why he couldn't be, if he had a really good season, be up there, you know, around second, third or fourth territory. Um, I mean, who, who else would we even say are the main contender, contenders? Brock Purdy, <clears throat> you know, he's, he's been there. Turns forever, it over but... too much. He sucks. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, but other than, other than just, you know, starting forever, I don't know that he's been amazing or anything like that. Um, I, I personally like Max Duggan at TCU, but kind of same thing. He's waiting to make that next, that next jump. Spencer Sandler, Sanders at Oklahoma state, you know, he's got talent, but he's kind of that guy who keeps both teams in every game. So, yeah, I mean, there's really no reason why he couldn't be, you know, at least in the running for second team all-conference uh, honors. He'd have to have put together a heck of a season, but I think he's capable of it. I mean, you hear all the time, nothing beats experience uh, at the quarterback position in college football, and really nobody out there has got more than Skyler. He's been starting games since, um, <laughs> I mean, it feels like forever ago when he was leading them to a, a victory at Texas Tech as a true as a redshirt freshman. So he, he's been around a long time. And I mean, I, I see him throw out there. He doesn't look, you know, there's no sign of injury. He looks uh, looks stronger and uh, more confident than he did in the past. As long as he stays healthy um, and his receivers can give him anything, uh, I, I think I think he can put together a pretty good year. Yeah, and I was talking about this with uh, Jimmy Goheen who's all about the efficiency stats. I think that you will be able to make a very good argument for Skylar Thompson being the second best quarterback in the big 12. When you look at efficiency stuff, really take into account turnovers, because I mean, I don't think you're going to see a 3000, 4,000 yard passing season from him, which you might see down in Texas tech with that Oregon transfer um, or, you know, some other spots, even Brock Purdy. But I think when you take into account efficiency and really marshalling the game of football. I think he will end up being the second best guy. Um, let's jump. Yeah, that, oh, go ahead. That, that, I was going to say that that's a great point actually by, uh, by KSU fan there. Um, I think, uh, yeah, he, he's not going to have the stats to be considered a top two or three quarterback, but he definitely could be, you know, a pro football focus top two or three guy. He could be um, a guy that coaches a media boat high up there. 
I think the thing that will separate him is, um, you know, he's always been very good at avoiding turnovers, but maybe not so much throwing touchdown passes. Is this year where he can finally make that leap and actually take a risk, you know, that pays off? The, the one, uh, it, it sounds kind of weird to say this, but one, one thing I've always wanted to see out of Skyler was, you know, the ability to at least make a few more mistakes. You know, if you're not making any mistakes, you're not trying for the home run, you got to do it sometimes. So I, I think it would be a really good sign for him if he could get a few more touchdown passes, even if it means slightly more interceptions, not a huge deal in the end of things. And the other stat I, I think it's worth keeping an eye, an eye on with him is a red zone rushing touchdowns. Cause he is, uh, you know, he's not quite Tim Tebow, but he's definitely the guy K-State turns to when they need to score touchdowns when they're close down there. And, and I think looking back last year, you know, everybody says, well, Will Howard, true freshman, couldn't throw the ball very good. I think as much as anything was they didn't know what to do when they got in the red zone. Um, and you notice that immediately. As soon as Skyler was not in there, they really, really whiffed on a lot of red zone chances, couldn't score touchdowns, always settling for field goals. Um, and, and that was a constant theme last year. They couldn't take advantage of their their long drives. Well, they got Skyler back in there now. So if he can punch some in, that would be a big help too. Yep. No, I'm right there with you. Um, so you, you touched on it a little bit. Uh, linebackers and wide receivers are probably the two biggest question marks that, uh, you know, fans had coming into preseason camp. Would you agree with the sentiment or did you have another, uh, you know, position group that you might've put in front of those two? No, those were my, those are my two. Um, I guess I'm a little worried about, uh, you know, kicking duties too. There's been talk that, um, They'd have one guy do everything uh, just because they don't have ready, anybody else ready. Um, but uh, I, I think they'll figure that out. I, I think they'll have different people doing kickoffs, field goals, and punts. I don't think it'll be just one guy. But I think, it'd be fun. I think it would be fun to see Ty Zentner do all three. It would be sweet. Um, I mean, Cameron Dicker has done that at Texas, and, you know, he's done pretty good at it. So, I mean, shoot, if you're going to take up a scholarship on special teams, you might as well do it all right. That would be pretty neat. All right. uh, but but look, but looking at the the other positions, yeah, I mean the wideouts were just um, you know not good last year. When, when the leading when the leading receiver is only getting 293 yards on the entire season, you know I, I've had people tell me that that was basically one game from Tyler Lockett. You're, you're talking about now being the guy, you know these numbers for the entire season. That's got to be better. I mean we we don't need to see uh, one or two thousand yard guys like we've we've seen um, in the. the recent past with Kansas state, if they're going to win a lot of games, but you need at least a 500 yard guy, people who can go out and make some plays. And, you know, hopefully with, with what we've seen from Malik Knowles, um, Tyrone Howell has made some really good plays preseason Keenan Garber, you know, maybe Sebastian Taylor gets healthy here and gets rolling. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not ready to say these guys are going to be, you know, even middle of the pack as a big 12 unit, but they don't need them to be as long as they're, um, you know, average, decent, I think they'll be a big upgrade to what they had last season. Yeah. So I was going to touch on that because I think at least amongst the fans and I, I think fans have the habit of doing this, they will take, you know, a highlight that, you know, Joe Hall's tweeting out there of, you know, how, you know, getting a big catch and everyone's attaching themselves to, Ooh, Malik Knowles never been healthy, all this stuff, stuff and the Keenan Garber praise from the spring. I think fans have talked themselves into thinking, all right, this might be, you know, not last place wide receiver group in the Big 12, maybe closer to middle of the pack. Do you like your temperature check on it? Do you think they will be, you know, 
not worse in the Big 12, which again, I think that's where I would say, I would like to say, sign me up for eighth best wide receivers in the Big 12 right now. <laughs> like I would take that right now. And I'm even really buying into the Howell, uh, you know, hype. And I'm buying into the Malik Knowles is going to stay healthy hype. I'm buying into all that. And I'd still take eighth best wide receivers in the Big 12. Where's your temperature check on them as a whole unit? I, I think that's about accurate. If I had to peg it right now, I'd say, yeah, eighth best sounds about right. Um, I, I, I agree. Sometimes even I get caught up in it. A coach says, oh, this guy's made a few plays. Oh, man, that means, you know, he's arrived. He's going to be a thousand yard receiver. No, not exactly. I mean, when they were saying the same thing about these guys last year, oh, they're really good. Just wait and see. Um, I mean, everybody thought Sebastian Taylor was going to be an all-conference receiver last year. And, you know, he had his moments, but it certainly didn't happen. I think they'll be improved. I wouldn't go, you know, if you see a futures bet out there about any K-State receiver catching 1,000 yards, I'd stay away from that one. I'd bet the under. Uh, but I think they'll be better. I think they'll be competent. And I think they'll be good enough, especially if Malik stays healthy, to take pressure off of uh, their tight ends and their running backs who they they really like to get involved in the offense. And that that is the beauty. That's why I say they don't need to be even, you know, middle of the pack to be improved because you got Deuce Vaughn, you got Daniel Imator Bebe. I can say his last name. Those guys are going to be uh, are, are going to be big factors in the passing game, too. Definitely. All right. So it's almost the inverse uh, with, with the linebackers because there's been like the, there was the what the Klanderman quote in the spring that said they're the deepest unit and everyone just kind of tilted their head and like, OK. And then I think Van Malone says they've grabbed more interceptions than the DBs during team period. Outside of that, you don't really hear a lot of positive stuff about the linebackers. Where's your temperature check on that unit? Uh, yeah, much lower. I'm, I'm not nearly as optimistic about the linebackers um, as receivers. And like I said, I'm not terribly optimistic of the receivers. I think they'll be better, but uh, that's, you know, not saying a, a ton here. Uh, with, with linebackers, I do think, you know, I, I like Daniel Green. He's a former four-star guy. When he played last season, he looked pretty good, had, had a good number of tackles, wasn't much of a drop-off from Elijah Sullivan to him. My worry is kind of with everybody else. I, I think Cody Fletcher is, you know, solid. I think that's a good word for him. He'll get in there. He'll know what he's doing. He won't uh, make a, you know, make a bad play. But the, the thing I worry about is that Joe Klanderman loves to rotate guys at every position. We're going to see other linebackers out there. Ideally, I think they'd love to go four, five, six deep. Uh, in the, the number three and four linebackers just aren't names that really excite me. Klanderman said um, at the last open practice right now, it's Ryan Hennington who's a former walk-on quarterback and Wayne Jones, who's a former least scholarship, but former safety he's never played the position before. So you're turning to two brand new guys uh, to play linebacker at a big 12 level, a lot of snaps every game that, that scares me. Um, and, may, and I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Uh, we have heard okay things about these guys. Maybe, maybe they can get the job done, but I'm definitely in prove it to me mode before I go buy into that. Definitely. I think this was one of the, I would say the most entertaining offseason topic amongst K-State fans this past year. And that's the saga of Reggie Stubblefield, AKA Stubby the legend. Uh, do you recall an offseason transfer that garnered that, that much kind of comedic relief, just uh, especially amongst the fans? Because again, you know, it, I don't put any of it on him. You know, he, he had, uh, you know, a, a lot of battles to make sure he could get here, but do you recall anything that kind of garnered that many jokes and that much 
uh, kind of comedy amongst the offseason. What have you heard about him and what his role is going to be with the team? I mean, no, he definitely takes the cake and uh, any newcomer getting, you know, a bunch of attention. I, I remember way, you know, maybe 10 years ago, there were some semi-high profile quarterbacks who looked into transferring here. I can't even remember the names anymore, but they, they kind of created a whirlwind of will they come here, will they not, and everything like that. But uh, it's been a different deal with Stubblefield because he said he was coming, then he was out, and then he was back. And even before that came up, when it was just coming, everyone was like, well, you know, did he lie about his stats or the coach is getting catfished? And How did you guys not ask him, like, like about the stats? Like, I, I get like it might kind of be a touchy subject when you guys had him, but has anyone asked him, hey, you know, uh, where were you in FCS All-American? Like, because <laughs> like, that's still because I think it was still in his bio up until, you know, a few weeks ago, too. Yeah, I mean, and we had it been a more intimate setting, I definitely would have asked it myself. Um, it just seemed a little strange to with the setup we had. We were like ten feet away from the guy, uh, you know, masks on, wind wind gusting by. Uh, it just seemed kind of weird to yell out that question. Explain to me, you know, where can we find that this and blah blah blah. Hopefully, we get to do it again uh, at some point. Maybe I was just being a little cowardly and hoping somebody else would ask it. But well, yeah, I mean, uh, he's going to have like a defensive Heisman campaign going. So at that point, you can ask him. And <laughs> it, it also, I like mean, all I, the blocked kicks. The, the second he gets a blocked kick and takes it in for six, I think then you can ask the question. So probably like at halftime of the Stanford game, he'll get two blocked kicks and then just run down there and ask him right before he goes in the locker room. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I mean, I, I guess I will also say, does it uh, does it really matter at this point? I mean, from from no. what I've seen, from what I've seen of him, and what the coaches have said about him, they clearly were not getting catfished, regardless of what his stats were. He's not he's not like a thirty five year old uh, <laughs> out of shape guy um, eating up a scholarship here who can't play. He's I mean, they're going to use him, and like I said, he. I mean, he might lie. It might have embellished his stats, but he did not embellish um, about his physical attributes. That guy looks freaking ripped, uh, and he can run. He's fast. Uh, I, we've seen him break up a few passes. Joe Glatterman said they're using him both at corner and nickel right now. I think he'll beat the you know one of the primary backups at both spots. Um, so really, I mean, end of story. If he comes in and gives them a versatile player they can use, you know, 15, 20 snaps a game. I, you know, he will, people will say he brought blocked a hundred kicks at Prairie View A&M by the end of it. I love it. Uh, last question before we get into the blitz month predictions, I'm really big on this defensive line. I think that they have more playable depth at the defensive line than maybe they ever have at K state, but you don't have Wyatt Hubert. Uh, so my question to you is, do they have enough high end talent uh, to make up losing Wyatt Hubert? Like I said, they have the depth. But I don't know if they have a certified dude. So will the depth be able to make up for that? Man, yeah, that's a great question. That's something I kind of want to see once the season starts. I'll say in what limited scrimmage action we have seen, it's looked like the offensive line has been ahead of the defensive line, um, especially on the corners. We, we've heard uh, defensive ends we've talked to say it's really hard for them to get past Rubibi and Christian Duffy on the perimeter. Um, and I mean, hey, props to those guys. I think they're going to be good offensive linemen, but we're not talking about Dalton Reisner and Cody White here, here either. 
you'd hope that they could get by him a little bit more. Um, I, you know, in a weird way, I'm actually, I, I feel better about the defensive tackle spot than I thought I would, but maybe not as quite as good as a defensive end. Um, but you are right. They, they, they will be blessed with depth. Um, you know, they won't have Wyatt Huber out there, but there won't be much drop off when they go from the ones to the twos. So I don't know exactly how they're going to, they're going to work that. Um, but maybe, you know, Wyatt Huber garnered a whole lot of attention. So even though he was, uh, you know, out there being a really good pass rusher, his numbers didn't always reflect that just because there were a lot of people in his way. Maybe next year that won't be there and some guys can take advantage of that and the, the stats might look okay. Definitely. All right, let's get you on the record. Again, if anything wild happens between now and the start of the season, we're not going to put you in podcast jail or anything like that. But <laughs> the first question we're going to get you on, uh, no restrictions, the follow-up question to this is probably going to be tougher, but who is going to be the offensive MVP? Deuce Vaughn. Enough said, Deuce Vaughn. I love it. Here, here's my question to you, uh, because there's been a handful of guys at K-State who have gotten a Heisman vote. When it is all said and done, will Deuce Vaughn get at least one third-place Heisman vote before his time at K-State is done? Ooh, ooh, that that's a that's a that's a tasty question. I like that. I'm good um, at asking questions. I, I could have been a yes, great journalist. You are. You are. Uh well, you know what? If he stays healthy and is here for four years, I, I bet he does. I bet he does, honestly. If 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 Brees Hall can get as many votes as he has at Iowa State, I think Deuce Vaughn can get at least one along the way. Perfect. Okay, so here's the follow-up. Uh you cannot say Deuce and you can't say Skyler. So who would be your kind of Long shot bet to be the offensive MVP. So, so outside of Skyler and Deuce, who do I think yes. is the best offensive player? Okay. Or, or most valuable, if we want to okay. get technical here. I mean, yeah, yeah, if we're saying most valuable, I'd say Noah Johnson, uh, just because I think he means so much to the offensive line uh, overall at center. You saw last year when he, when he was uh, had to – had to leave the game and couldn't play against Arkansas State. Things really went downhill. Um, but it, when, when he's in there, things are a lot better. So talking about just purely from a value standpoint, I'd say him from like a more traditional stats, game breaker type of guy. Um, I'll bank on Malik Knowles staying healthy and st say him. Nice. Uh, there is going to be no follow-up to this one, just who will be the defensive MVP when it's all set up? Uh, well, it, it better be Julius Brents. <laughs> if, if it's not, uh, if it's not, I think things have gone poorly. Well, here, here's, here's a uh, spin zone for you. It won't be Julius Brents because no one ever throws the ball his way and people just forget he exists. Well, you know, if, 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 if he, if that truly is it and he's on his own Island, the whole game, I think that's worthy of MVP status. But then Echo Boydo gets eight interceptions. Oh, yeah. So see, th there we go. I, I'm just throwing some great best case scenario out there. But no, I, I'm All excited right. well, to see those two guys on the boundary. Tell, tell you what, if, if Echo gets 10 picks, then yeah, he'll be he'll be the MVP. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so who is going to be your young breakout player on offense? This is going to be a freshman or sophomore who is yet to make a major impact on the field. Uh, you know, well, 
He hasn't made an impact yet. I want to say Daniel Imitor baby, but he's not a freshman or sophomore. No, I'll go, I'll go Joe, I'll, Come on, K Dog. Yeah, I'll go Joe Irvin. I'll go Joe Irvin. I I I, I like what I've seen from him so far. Definitely. I, I, and I think it, especially, especially if they move Deuce Vaughn out to wide receiver, as much as they say, he'll get a lot more work. And I think he'll end up being a really good player. I think that's a good pick. Same question for the defensive side of the ball. Uh, breakout player, freshman, sophomore, is yet to make a major impact. Uh, well, I can't say echo, can I? No, he, he made a major impact. I think he's probably the only one who you can't say. Okay. Um, you know, shoot, I don't know. I don't even know if I have a pick out there. Everybody I'm really looking to in that area has either been here or, a, or an older guy. Um, I don't know, maybe T. Denson. T. Denson, I could see doing something, so I'll say him. All right, I like that one. Uh, and here's my favorite question every Blitz month, week, whatever we're doing. Uh, what is the pendulum game of the year? The one game that if we win, it swings the season towards possibly being great. If we lose, it'll swing it towards being bad. I think it's, uh, well, I want to say TCU at home, but, you know, honestly, I, I think it might be Oklahoma State on the road to start conference play um, because a win there would mean a whole lot just because, the schedule, the coverage schedule is so front-loaded, right? Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, back-to-back-to-back. Um, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people are picking them even to win even one of those three. But if they can start out with a win against Oklahoma State, maybe they're 4-0 at that point. Then they got Oklahoma, who they've beaten in back-to-back years coming in here. and All the K-State fans are, you know, spitting fire, trying to boo Oklahoma back down uh, before they leave the conference. Uh, that could be a mighty interesting game. And if they beat Oklahoma State, maybe, you know, who knows, maybe they keep the streak going and do that. But that, that to me, I think is the biggest swing game, just because if you win that one, then there's no way you can start going three in conference play. You know, you lose to Oklahoma and Iowa State, whatever. They're the best two teams in the conference. We got one win in the bank. Let's, let's reset and go win the rest of our games here. I think it's a lot easier if you already have that one conference game, uh, one conference win under the belt. So I'll say Oklahoma State. All right, what is K-State's record? Going seven and five. Seven and five. All right, who's playing in the Big 12 championship down in Arlington? Oh, Oklahoma and Iowa State. Oh, you're boring. I don't like it. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I, I like TCU. I like TCU. I don't know if I like them that much, though. Definitely. All right, so last year we ended the show – asking because of covid how many games will k-state play this year we are asking and i think you hinted at your answer up at the top who is k-state sharing a conference with in 2022 on next year i think it's still the 10 teams that are in the big 12 right now i think um as much as texas and oklahoma would love to move on the best thing, the most valuable thing the other eight teams can do is to hold their feet to the fire and say, you are either staying here for four more years so we can be in a power conference that we know for four more years, or you are paying us, you know, $200 million and we're going to get our money. I just don't see any other easier, quicker way for them to leave, especially by the time 2022 rolls around. So I think it'll be the same conference we see right now. Well, if that's the case, stay tuned because uh, spoiler alert for next year's Blitz Month or Week or 
whatever time frame we do it, I'm going to be asking what who's K-State sharing a conference with in 2023. So keep that in the back <laughs> okay. of your mind. Um, I, I kind of mentioned a lot of it up front. You're on almost weekly with, uh, you know, the Casey Sports Beat podcast, the Kansas City Star uh, Sports podcast. You're always on with John. Uh, any other projects that folks, sh folks should be looking at outside of your already great work with the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star? Uh, just, just this podcast, man. Keep subscribing. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on Blitz Month. Boneheads, always be paying attention to K-Dog on Twitter. He is great, even though sometimes I get a little ahead of myself and cyberbully him when he ranks Iowa State a little too high. I'm sorry about that. You know, hadn't had enough coffee that day, but we love you. Boneheads, we're going live on Wednesday, Spotify Green Room. All those Blitz Month questions I just asked Kellis, I'm asking you, every single bonehead who wants to get their predictions in, Spotify Green Room, 7 p.m. I will stay on until 3 a.m. if that's what it takes to get all the boneheads <laughs> who want to get their predictions out there. So we love you guys. Make sure you're following K-Dog on Twitter. Subscribe to all his stuff. Keep coming to us. Love everyone except for Texas, Oklahoma, and Iowa State fans. Feel free to bully them. And uh, we're going to keep rocking all the way down to Arlington, one show every weekday until that kickoff. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Showing our colors everywhere. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Podcast Network.